Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, say does that star spangle All the land of the free and the home of the brave, of the brave, of the Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry. Cara Berry, basketball fan, y'all. I don't know if you guys care. Some of you guys have reached out and have been very supportive of me on my basketball journey. And the season began last week and I watched half and then another half of the game. And you guys are going to roll your eyes and laugh at me and giggle. But I don't want to hear anything of it because that's a lot for me, okay? That's a lot for your girl. I watch a Laker game. I watch a Celtics game. And I'm about to watch another game, which is why I felt like we needed to start off with um, none other than the elusive Shantus, Flavor Flav, singing the national anthem before the Milwaukee Bucks game. So I hope you guys... You know, it's not too late if you guys want to join me on this journey of being a basketball fan. I have decided to root for my home hometown team, the Chicago Bulls, in an effort to be nostalgic and get back that feeling of like three Pete and MJ and Scottie Pippen and all all of those. Because I remember that and I was there spiritually. I was there. Um, I'm feeling now in 2023 getting the sense that maybe I have hitched hitched my wagon to the wrong ride. But you know what? I feel like as people born in the Midwest, it's like ingrained in you, or it should be rather. You stick to your home team. So despite the fact that I've not lived in Illinois since the 90s, I'm still, you know, if the Bears ever go to the Super Bowl and I ever happen to watch 
seven to eight minutes of it, I will be saying bear down. Okay? I don't know what that means, but that's what they say. I'll I'll be saying that. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the the, the Bulls, but like I also watched a Miami game. It was a Miami Celtics game with Jimmy Butler and you know, I'm rocking with him and it's a similar color screen scheme, so I feel like I could get away with it. But anyway, let's get into actual news. I'm not gonna lie to you folks. It's light here. Like the news items that I have are light. I try not to talk about people that have passed away, but I feel like this is a big one for us, you guys, as like the mostly millennials that you listen to, we were like shocked to find out of the passing of Chandler Bing himself, Matthew Perry, shocking passing in a a drowning in his jacuzzi. Like I, I just, it's so sad. They, you know, there's still not a whole lot of information coming out. I guess there's an investigation, which I don't think is like, you know, the conspiracy theorists need to be putting out their tin hat about. I think I would imagine when a notable person in Los Angeles passes away, that this is probably pretty standard that like the homicide department would get on this, but it just sounds like it's just so sad. It's so sad. And I like, I am not like the type of friends fan who is still in like, you know, twenty. 23 what what year are we in <laughs> or like quoting them directly but I was in it in the moment I was watching it I've I'm sure I've seen every episode I I really like the show and like you know everybody y'all I lived like a deeply suburban existence y'all know this so you know one of the topics of conversation in my school would be like who from the friends cast did you relate to and I'm like trying to fit myself in like Monica Rachel and Phoebe but I'm thinking in the back of my head I'm hilarious obviously I'm Chandler so this like kind of hits it pretty hard for me because Chandler is my favorite character and he's just so funny and just like it's just so sad to see somebody who struggled for so long and like is trying you know like he seemed to be like always wanting to try to be better and he even said like the reason why he released his book last year is because he wants to help and he's like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And it's just like, it just just really breaks my heart. So shout out to you, Matthew Chandler forever, Matthew Perry forever. Let's, let's move on and talk about something a little bit great. So we're going to go to some of the best news that I heard all week. I don't know if you all spotted this. Kathy Griffin owns all of the rights to my life on the D list. And finally, finally, she will be releasing the Kraken. She has announced that she is going to be releasing all of the episodes to not only her TikTok account, but her, also her YouTube. It'll be available for free. I have been like trying to manifest this. And, you know, now that we're out of this eclipse, I feel like this is like part of the things like I ask, believe, receive about. I was speaking of, I, was, I didn't even write down Kim's Corner for this week, but she still owes like hundreds of thousand dollars and they're trying to sell that house. Um, before it gets foreclosed on, they were asking the courts to do that. Also, she went to get her pussy tightened and in L.A. and uh, Croy went with her. So <sighs> anyway, um, so happy about my life on the D-list coming back. And I can't wait. I'm sure I'm going to be recapping like I, I, something on Patreon, something. Oh, speaking of Patreon, you guys, for those of you who um, are looking forward to this week, is it Patreon? Yeah, yeah, this is actually a great time because Patreon, it, or it's the new month this week. And so uh, that's always a great time to get the fullest benefits of a Patreon account. You can get all the content. I have great stuff. But this week, even if you don't head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash EBBM podcast. And again, you're going to look at the site and you're going to be like, bitch, you haven't uploaded in forever, but I upload through different means. So it just doesn't also cross post on patreon but guaranteed i post every week that's a promise you could ask anybody um this week i'm going to be talking about the three-part amazon prime series it's called desperately seeking soulmate it's about the twin flame community or one particular twin flame community that went awry still happening but it's wild if you don't have amazon prime i believe it's three episodes like i said and i think you can watch episode one with ads for free on Prime Video. So check that out and we'll talk about that on Wednesday. 
Okay, our next order of business is um, Kale. We've been talking a lot of Teen Mom. Oh, there have been updates with uh, Janelle uh, and David. David has officially gotten some charges for uh, the abuse that he uh, did to Jace. And um, Janelle had been in court. And uh, obviously David was not even allowed on the premises. They're not allowed to communicate or anything like that. Um, The children had been Kaiser and Ensley, the children, the youngest children that Janelle has uh, were able to be interviewed without the uh, presence of their parents. And I believe Janelle got a little bit of a dressing down for uh, complicating the court system or like trying to hinder uh, the children being able to speak freely without them present. So I, she also posted on her Instagram, a damn video about like my children and I love them so much. And guess who was not included in that Jace. So I, this woman in her, um, I, I don't know what her issue is. I, I don't get it. Um, I'm getting tripped up because somebody just texted me. Hey boo. And I have no idea who this is. I'm scared. Oh, it's Ray. It's Ray Saudi. Okay. Hi, Ray Saudi. I just see you now. <laughs> Shout out to Ray Saudi. Uh, but anyway, um, um, so moving on to Kaylin, Kaylin has cemented herself as the fertilest myrtle of the 16 and pregnant teen mom universe because she announced, well, we have to backtrack a little bit. Uh, a few weeks ago, I believe it was on 10-13, October 13th, she said, Hey guys, remember all that speculation about me having a kid last year? Confirmed. I actually did. And then two weeks later, she's like, Hey guys, I went on a trip to Thailand and I'm pregnant with twins. Number six and number seven. She's having with her boyfriend, Elijah, who she also had number five with. There are seven children. Well, there are five currently. All of them boys. Lincoln. Isaac. The other ones. And Lux, Creed. Are, are two of those the same? I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, this is going to be a lot. I, I totally forgot that she only has boys. If she, this lady, sincere, has seven boys. God bless her. God bless her. I have never, like, how is this possible? She talked in her podcast about how, like, I was, like, flush and I was eating in Thailand. I must have gotten pregnant before I left, but I was, like, eating all this stuff and I thought there was no possible way I could be pregnant. I'm like, girl, I, I don't know. I, I, my fear, how do I explain this? Caitlin seems to be doing very well for herself financially. Her children seem to be taken care of. They are living in a nice home. And so this is not like a critique necessarily of like people having too many children. I think if you're capable of caring for them, great. I also believe that it gets past a certain point where regardless of how good of a parent you are, especially if you're a single parent and well, I mean, they have active fathers, but if you're sitting there on on the day where you got all seven kids in your house, you're, there's just no way that as one person, you're going to be actively parenting and like pouring into your child. However, um, I do think that Kaylin has a lot of the tools that don't really uh, make me as nervous about uh, people having a lot of children. That being said, the fact that she would be shocked... <laughs> And think that it was possible that she would not be pregnant. It was like, well, just do you know how sex works? Because if he was doing it raw, that's and it seems like all you need to do is just like breathe and you get pregnant. So I don't know. And then again, like I don't want to be judgmental of her, but like, can we just put it out there? It's just like a, an observation that I had that I I don't think we've heard about Kaylin being in a serious relationship since. Uh, Isaac's daddy that she has not also had a child with that boyfriend and I just think that's interesting but with that let's move on to some pretty interesting news Travis Barker finally addressing him Kim Courtney and the whole thing because y'all know that back in his book that he wrote 2016 I think that he had talked about feeling Kim 
And he was dating Courtney, or he was dating Paris Hilton at the time, but like couldn't take his eyes off of her, like thought she was so beautiful, like whatever, right? So because Courtney is now married to this man, a lot of people are like, oh, maybe a lot of the drama between Courtney and Kim and I've said this myself, has to do with the fact that there's this like underlying tension of like, yo, your husband was like trying to hit and maybe even did. So um, Travis does address this. He did an interview with the LA Times and he was like, it's ridiculous that me having a crush on Kim like 20 years ago had anything to do with like what's going on with Kim and Courtney now. And he says, you give people a little information and they think they've solved the mystery of this is why they're fighting. It's just so ridiculous. Um, and then he said, you know, it's like Courtney's fans are worried about Travis. He's a womanizer. Stop it. And then he says, obviously I shared all this stuff because I wanted to move past it. It was therapeutic for me. Like what? <laughs> What was therapeutic? Like, what about you saying that Kim was fucking hot and you can't keep looking at her was, like, a release for you? Like, was it a release from you being a fuckboy? I mean, you're allowed to, like, date somebody and think their friend is hot. Like, it's not great, but, like... I, I just... I'm not understanding the therapy part of, of this portion of the memoir. He also says that Courtney doesn't harbor any ill will um, towards him in talking about Kim, but... It's like, what the hell is she going to say? Like, what is she going to be like, yeah, it's a really big problem, Travis. Like, like, what can she say? Like, babe. Thanks, babe. But the other interesting thing is that, like, he feels like Courtney's fans are worried about her in this relationship, which is something that I think is maybe even more uh, important because, you know, we had a lot of love bombing, a lot of tongues down the throats at red carpets in the beginning of stages of their relationship. And I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see what happens. He just seems very like love bomby and, and all of that. And I, I'm really curious to see like what happens post baby with them. Like when shit gets real and you're not able to like sneak off into the pantry to go bang one out real quick because the baby needs to get fed. Like how does that change? So we'll find out y'all. And with that, let's move on to welcome to Plathville and then keeping up. No. Not keeping up regular Kardashians. All right. People change, though, you know? Yeah. Um, older guys that I've talked to said that it seems like they've been married to four women in, during their lifetime because yeah. their wife changed, like, four times throughout the the 40 or 50 years that they'd been married. As long as, like, you have some of the similar values, I don't think you have to have the exact same, but... Sure. I do feel like me and Olivia have been kind of drifting apart on some f fundamental stuff, but... No, that's just how the, the pages of time unfold. You can't foresee stuff like that. Before we get into the episode recap, we have to talk about the official Ethan and Olivia divorce announcement that came down, as one does in this day and age, via Instagram on both of their accounts. But they said different things. And I think that is important that we get into what exactly happened. So Ethan and Olivia were together for five years. There had been rumors and rumors and nastiness about what's been going on with their relationship basically since we've known them. So I can't really say that this is like shocking. I'm just like, okay, now it's official. That's interesting, right? So Olivia, I think was the first one to announce it. She said, Ethan and I have decided to go our separate ways. I have ambivalent memories of us being 18 years old, innocently dreaming of forever. But the partner you choose is a reflection of the world you want to live in. And at 18, I didn't know who I was or what kind of life I wanted to create for myself. Um, I know a lot of you have and will ask me, what does an ambivalent memory mean? And I don't have an answer for you, babe. I, I don't think that's what she meant. But anyway, she goes on to say, seven years later, I've already begun my journey of questioning, deconstructing and rebuilding. And I know that's a process that I will continue to prioritize throughout my life. There were good moments and I want to remember and honor those. We fell in love as children and are going our separate ways as adults, wiser, older and braver. We will be okay. Thank you for the good times, Ethan. I wish the best for you. Now, Ethan's post is a little bit more brief. 
Uh, Olivia and I have parted ways. It just didn't work between us, so Lord knows we gave it all we had. It seemed we were constantly pulling each other in opposite directions in life with different goals. I wish Olivia the best in the future ahead. I care for her deeply and always will. Um, you know, I've said how many times when we get these celebrity breakups, it's like, oh, we're the best of friends and I love you so much and I wish the best for you. And it's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. And so I wish people would just be a little bit more honest about that. So I appreciated, I I just kind of want to know, like, what was the breakup? How did they, did they come together and come up with like a general outline of what they were going to say or not say, you know, and, and we're just like, okay, well, let's just keep it at that and we'll write our own things. But I've heard through the rumor mill that this separation or the divorce has actually not been going on as long as people might think that this has only been official like for maybe like in the last several weeks. So I don't know y'all, but I wish, I wish the best for them, you know? Uh, and thank you for the good times, whatever, wherever those were, because we didn't really see them. But anyway, let's talk about Plasville because this episode was really the beginning of the end of the, the end or the, the whatever. It, it was one of the beginnings of the end for them. And so we see that. So let's get into this episode. Starting with Cam, who took most of the kids to a tree farm to go cr- cut down a Christmas tree so she can go put it in her bachelorette apartment. They've never really celebrated before the Plaths. Like Kim and Barry have as children, but never as like adults did they do this with the Plath kids. Kim says that when she was married, she said with Barry on not celebrating. And she still does not believe that 20, uh, December 25th is Christ's birthday or Santa. But now that she's got the freedom to, she's going to celebrate with the kids. And this is like uh, kind of what I've been saying about Barry this whole season. Like, He's being a good father. I don't know if it's completely honest, but it's like, if it's by default, the kids are happy, then you just take the W on that. You know what I mean? And I've been noticing like with the plane that Kim has really been like shelling out a lot of dough and then also kind of throwing Barry under the bus but being like well I could not have done these things like buy my 17 year old half an airplane or get the biggest Christmas tree in the lot to create memories even though I think they're false because Barry wouldn't let me but now that I can I'm going to and I just feel like you Kim's so sneaky okay we always got to keep our eyes akimbo for what's really going on with her. And so I want to give her like three claps, three half claps, three claps with like one hand. Um, Because the kids at the end of the day are happy. They're like having a good time doing the tree and all that. But I also think that a lot of this is just like Kim throwing money at the problem. Like Kim, Kim is the, the divorce dad, you know? Kim is like the slightly deadbeat divorced dad in the situation and she's like oh I'm just gonna throw a lot of money so my kids like me more and they won't notice that maybe like I'm a little bit of a fuck boy you know what I mean because also like part of this is that she's hiding this uh airplane Ken romance that she's got going on from all the kids only Isaac knows and she's terrified I mean, let's be real she doesn't want to tell Lydia it's not Cassia it's not Mercy it's not Amber it's, it's Lydia that Kim is scared of <laughs> because Kim, Lydia is obviously very team Barry and Kim says in a confessional, I just feel like if I had to guess, Lydia is going to be the least supportive uh, because she has a really like specific idea of marriage and I no longer fit in that. So uh, telling her that's going to be a rough one. <laughs> Then we head over to Minnesota and Lydia, Grace, and CJ, Olivia's sister and her boyfriend are still there and they're spending Christmas Eve like opening presents with within their group because they're going to be spending the Christmas day with Ethan's family. So Lydia says that or excuse me, Olivia rather says that even though she's pretty pissed off about Ethan doing donuts in the parking lot the day before she's going to compartmentalize so she, she can have fun with her sister. Right. So she tells us in a confessional that she asked Lydia Grace, if she could give CJ a prank gift and Lydia approved. And so we see what well, has to be a TLC first, a butt plug. 
it's conservative, you know, it's black. It's, um, you know, I would say I'm not really a butt plug aficionado. I wouldn't even say that I was even a, a an amateur. It's just not my thing. Just not my thing. But that's my business anyway. Um, but I would guess that that would be medium. Do you guys want to find out why I know this? Because... As you guys know, I've been, I've had a a pet sitting business for years. I've only worked with this client once, so I'm not afraid to say this. And this was like several years ago, but they had two cats and they, they had like a, like a, um, I'm not a sneaky person. Like, I don't really care. I don't want to look through anybody's shit. Like guaranteed. It's not really happening. I don't, I don't care. Right. But in this case, their uh, top drawer opened like there was something faulty or something that it would just like open randomly and it would just be like like a ghost opening a drawer right so I'm like constantly closing it and I'm looking I'm like oh this is like butt plugs I'm talking like butt plugs in every size it just like pick pick your poison kids and shout out to them but that was just like you know that was a learning experience for me a teachable moment a teachable moment And I'm using that teachable moment to tell anybody who's listening that if you want to get your recently estranged sister's boyfriend a butt plug for Christmas as a prank gift, go for like something in a smaller medium. Ethan fully tells Olivia in a confessional that he thinks it's weird. He's like, audience, I would like you guys to know that I was not involved in this. Okay. And that I frankly think outside of giving a sex toy to a spouse it's really weird to give one to a family member but olivia's like yeah i don't care whatever like that's not my problem i have no regret right and then ethan makes pancakes for the family and decides to prank them by putting um roast chicken seasoning with peppercorns in one of them and olivia ends up getting it she goes um i'm sorry did you season the pancakes he goes yeah with pepper (laughs) sir (laughs) But Ethan does tell a little bit when he says in a confessional that, like, this is nice. Hanging out with CJ and Lydia Grace and the butt plug, it's all fine and dandy. But it's not like being with your real family. Like, you know, when you're with your family on a holiday, like, it feels right. And then when you're doing this, it feels like this is something that you're kind of doing for your partner. It's like that. Back in Cairo, they realize that the tree is too big for the, like, Christmas tree base. So they send Isaac and Mariah out to get some string at the store. But in order to solve the immediate problem of, like, not having the tree knocked down, they make Lydia get in the corner and just hold that tree up. This is like a 12-foot tree that she's having to hold up while they go to the store to pick up string. And then they interview Lydia at at the end and she's like, you know, Christmas time is supposed to be about celebrating the birth of Christ, but um, nothing I did just reminded me of that. So, like, mind you, Kim and the other kids are there. They could all help. There's like four other people at that house. And yet Lydia in the corner, Lydia in the spotlight, losing her religion. Just like, why am I holding this Christmas tree? I don't even believe in this mess anyway <laughs> then over in california we see micah attempting to drive up to mammoth so that he can go snowboarding alone but i kind of wondered how do they break this down like from a production standpoint if you're like hey as a you know talent i want to go snowboarding on christmas day how are they like camera people are like fuck i don't want to do that like i wanted to go home or like you know get high and play xbox or whatever and like how do you how do they figure that out do they have to what is production allowed to say hey ethan everybody wants to have christmas off so like no micah <laughs> not ethan micah everybody wants to have christmas off so like we're not going to film this i just wonder what the breakdown of that would be but anyway he gets stuck because there's like ice on the road he ends up going later but while he's waiting um, he calls Ethan, Ethan doesn't answer, and he says that he's been trying to call Ethan several times over the past couple of weeks, so he doesn't really know what the issue is. But then he calls Barry, and they just have a conversation, but Mike is just, like, so intuitive. I don't know how he picks up on this stuff. He says, you know, I know that my dad is alone, and I know that he doesn't celebrate, it's, like, not his thing, it never has been, but... 
I also feel like it still affects him. Like the loneliness of being kind of like the outlier who doesn't smell silver at Christmas, right? The Barry explains that much like him, he had a typical upbringing Christmas, like doing the tree and all that. But as he got older, he did more research and he said, I just didn't want to give that specific date any significance because I don't believe that December 25th, again, is the day that Christ was born. So. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. That's fine. But then he's like, it is kind of lonely because everybody's like part of this thing that he doesn't like subscribe to. Right. Um, so then Micah and, and uh, Barry start talking about how nobody's heard from Ethan lately. And Barry's like, you know, I hope you guys all work through it. Right. He seems very easy breezy about the situation. He's like, you know, in due time, in due time. But you kids, I hope you guys figure it out. Right. Then Ethan and CJ go to a cigar lounge on the last day of Lydia and CJ's vacation. Ethan says in a confessional that Lydia and Olivia never got along growing up from his perspective because Lydia was sneaky, right? And while he's happy that they're getting along now, he's also kind of concerned that Lydia might have a little too much influence on Olivia. So CJ asks, like, what was it like growing up around the same type of people all the time because I was exposed to different types of people and I think it really like helped me out right I would be really bored if I was hanging out with the same type of people and I you know I like learning how people tick and stuff Ethan's like you know obviously he doesn't have a problem with it and CJ also brings up dating how typically in their you know groups they don't really date and Ethan's like well you know I would date Olivia and he tells a very lovely story about how uh, he and Olivia would go on a lot of dates and mostly those dates would him would be him going out in an old car and taking her to the airport hangar in Cairo and finding a little empty spot, getting into the back seat. And well, I'll, I'll spare you the details, but Ethan does say I, I would not go behind that. I wouldn't go in the back seat with a, with a blue light. I wouldn't do that. I don't really know if that's dating and more you just like getting your nut off in some sort of like weird sexual Christian repression sort of way. But that's neither here nor there. Olivia at one point says that she's kind of surprised that CJ and Ethan get along so well because they're like really different. And also like by his own admission, Ethan is not like a people person. 
So, or a people liker, I think was the term, but he explains that the reason why he likes CJ is because they have like the, they're dating sisters. So they have that in common, but he also feels like CJ isn't trying to like change anything about him. Like he's meeting me where I'm at and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. But then Ethan explains like after CJ says that his biggest fear is marrying young and realizing that the person that you married with is different and you end up going your separate ways because of it. Ethan's like, well, yeah, that's like basically what happened with me and uh, Olivia. And like how when we got together, we were totally alike. We were on the same page, but now we're on opposite ends of the spectrum politically and religiously, even though we weren't before and how I've spoken to older men and they say that during their 40, 50 years of marriage that they're married to four different women. And, and it's like, well, I mean, I don't, you say that like it's a bad thing, but what I'm hearing is that like you're Ethan are sticking to these older men who just want to um they they validate this like old school lifestyle that you want to be perpetuating. Like we already know that this man is very conservative politically and otherwise. But the other part of that is that it's he's not like a like a like a new school type of conservative where it's like, I don't know how to describe this. Like he's just very old school in that like, I decided that this is what it is, how I'm going to think, how I feel about things. And that's it. So when they say like, I've decided or that I married one woman and I got four women over the course of our marriage, what you're saying is that, like, you've been the exact same guy since you were emotionally stunted and whatever comes with that at 18 or 19 or whenever you guys get married and that the women grow and change and that you're just like, oh, who's this lady who sit shares the bed with me? She's crazy. And it's like, no, she's growing and you're not. So top that. But then Ethan says in a confessional, you know, this is just the kind of how the pages of time unfold. Can't foresee the changes. So then Ethan tells CJ that he, one of the things that he's like really on the opposite side of the spectrum with Olivia about is sending their future children to school. He didn't want to do homeschooling and she wants to do public school, which is actually wild to me considering how much of an issue he had with the level of education that he received. Now, maybe this would be him doing things a little bit differently, but I, I'm just surprised. And also like the isolation from the rest of the world is something that seemed to be like a big issue for him. So for him to be like, I only want to homeschool my children and I don't want to send them to public school is fascinating to me. And also it's like, even your mom didn't teach you, who's going to be teaching those children? I know it's not going to be you, but... You expect that to be Olivia? Well, how's that going to work? <laughs> CJ says in a confessional exactly what we all know. He thinks a lot of these young religious types get married young because they want to be able to have sex without guilt. Or uh, the the risk of a blue light being flashed. Their... <laughs> Let me move on. Back at home, Lydia <laughs> is hanging out with Olivia, obviously. And Lydia Grace says it's like kind of weird that they get along so well because they're so different. And Lydia also, she asked Lydia, did you think it was crazy that I got married so young? And Lydia says, well, my first concern was that you had no idea what family you were marrying into. But then I was also kind of envious of you because you had somebody to take care of you. But Olivia tells Lydia that she was actually jealous of her for not settling down and how she could just walk away from a relationship if she wanted to without too many strings attached. And she gets to figure that out all on her own. So at this point, Lydia is like, she knows that she's only got like a few hours left to get her sister out of this marriage. And so she is put every coal of the fire that she possibly could so she's like you know I would never want to marry anybody without knowing myself fully because if I don't know myself fully how could they which is a very fair question right and then Olivia says I just wish I kind of had that self-reflection back then and how like the, now there's not a chance in hell I'd have a kid in a confessional Olivia says that you know obviously from their religious background they're taught be fruitful and multiply but before she and Ethan have kids, 
they would have to agree on what a stable home for a child looks like. And they're not on the same page about that. And then in a double confessional, Ethan and Olivia have a kind of interesting conversation because she says that in the beginning of their relationship, Faith was absolutely the reason why they got together. But now she's making the choice to be with him. Ethan says that he feels like Faith is a big part in his relationship and commitment to her. And Olivia says, well, I don't agree with that. And then Ethan looks at her. He's like, well, if you don't, that's a problem. That's a big thing. But Olivia goes, I don't have to agree with you. After that, Lydia tells Olivia, she feels like she and CJ are maybe even going in opposite directions. And it's pretty obvious that Ethan and Olivia are also, but the difference is, sister, I'm not married. And so Lydia's like, I just don't want you to feel like you're losing part of yourself by ending things with Ethan. Like, I don't want you to be afraid of breaking things off. So Olivia says, I've changed a lot since I got married and that's okay. But I do have doubts sometimes. And I also think that, like, I'm capable of being in a relationship with somebody who believes differently from me, but I don't know if Ethan is. I question if he's capable of that. So then Lydia asks, when you guys got married, did you ever think that you would regret marrying Ethan? And Lydia says, honestly, yeah, I did, but it didn't have anything to do with him. It had everything to do with his family. And then Lydia says, well... If you feel regret about doing that, you shouldn't. But do you think that you could be by yourself? Olivia says, I have no idea. But in a confessional, she says that the first time they got separated, she didn't really look at herself as single. She was really upset. She was in pain and was like, I'm going to do everything to try to make this work. But then she says, I think I would feel differently about that today. Ethan's the only relationship she's been in. So she's like, I really don't have anything to compare it to. But like the more I break down my beliefs about marriage, I just like wonder what I should be expecting. So Lydia's like, well, you've never been on your own. Do you think that you might be happier alone? Lydia explains to us in a confessional that she just wants Olivia to think about it. Because from the outside looking in, Ethan and Olivia really don't seem that compatible. So Olivia says... I don't want to walk away with regrets, but Lydia goes, but does that feeling outweigh the possibility of feeling better if you left? So I I think the answer to that is no. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on to Kardashians. Like I want to date someone, not now. I'm exhausted. What do they say? To get over somebody, you have to get under somebody else. Like, I'm sure that's obviously a really easy route. And you're definitely distracting yourself as to what you need healing from. Someone's form of healing is not my form of healing. And that's not right or wrong. But I just need to do what speaks to my soul. And if I felt like going out, if I felt like dating, and if I was open to that right now, I would do it. There's nothing holding me back. I just genuinely don't have to. All right, y'all, let's end this with Kardashians. As you guys remember, we left off on a cliffhanger where Chloe's asking Chris what her mindset was like when she cheated on her daddy. Having four kids, a family. Like, yeah, you're young, which is a big factor. But, like, what else, girl? She asked the question wrong, girl. You, you already fed her, oh, this, I was young. So she could be like, yeah, yeah, I was so young and dumb. And, you know, I just think that really plays into a lot of it because you don't understand the consequences at the time. So then Chloe asks, well, what was my dad not doing that made you want to cheat? Which is a very interesting way to ask that question. And Chris freezes for a second. Not like her face usually, but like it was an actual freeze. And then she goes, I, I don't know, because he was such a great husband and dad. And I, I think I fell into a situation where I thought the grass was greener somewhere else. And I made a huge mistake. And that's my life's biggest regret. Now, if y'all don't know the tea, again, head on over to my Patreon, patreon.com slash ABBM podcast, where I talk all about this. But uh, long story short, she uh, started getting dicked down by a tennis pro and she was very brazen about it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't even seem to care. This wasn't even like a, it doesn't seem like this was like a sneaky, you know, 
bridges of Madison County kind of situation. Like, she was messy. Like, real messy about this. But anyway, head over to the Patreon. So, Chris has in a confessional that she and Robert actually became best friends after the divorce. They were on the phone giving each other advice. Just like, two little besties, right? And now, all that time, she was thinking, like, damn, I kind of made a huge mistake. And she tells Chloe that it's the biggest mistake that she's made, the biggest regret that she's had in her life. But, you know, as all wealthy people say, you know, I I just feel like God has a plan. You know, and without that, I wouldn't have had Kendall and Kylie. I mean, that's two other 10 percentages that I could be getting. So, you know, everything works out for the best, right? Like Without Kylie, she would have only had one billionaire daughter and not two. But then she says something so fucked up. She tells Chloe that because she had regrets about cheating on her dad, she really wants Chloe to be careful making decisions about letting somebody go. Chloe did not cheat. Chloe would very much be in a relationship with this man if he could have even just cheated quietly, you know, and not right in front of her face and all of us. So... I don't know, like, why they are continuing this narrative of, like, Chloe, you really need to think about this. Otherwise, you might regret regret it. Like, what? The soccer mom Euro tour continues with Kim and the kids. And now they're in Paris. And she's going to be meeting Choupette, um, Carl Lagerfeld's cat, so that she could possibly walk this cat down uh, the runway, the aisle. The, the steps <laughs> at the Met Gala. Um, she's also addresses something that has nothing to do with this timeline. I just make this clear because I think she went, she must've gone to meet Choupette like in April, right? Because Met Gala first day in May, it was literally May 1st this year. And this podcast that she's talking about, she went on Jay Shetty's podcast. And this did not come out until the end of May. So I don't know why she's talking about this at this point. I mean, we just got to, the continuity doesn't matter here. But anyway, the point is that she is facing a lot of backlash. Not at this point, but she's, we're going to pretend like it is. Because during the podcast, she said the following. They don't have the quote in the episode, but I looked it up and... She's talking about parenting to Jay. And she says, parenting is the thing that has taught me the most about myself. It's been the most challenging thing. There are nights where I cry myself to sleep. Like, holy shit, this fucking tornado in my house. Like, what just happened? And then she says, you know, with all the moods and personalities and sometimes they're fighting and, you know, there's no one there. Like, it's just me to play the good police officer and the bad cop. So people, I guess, were naturally uh, like, girl, what are you talking about? Like... You've got help. You're a fucking billionaire. Your husband, ex, is also a billionaire. Like, this is not relatable, okay? So Kim says, yeah, of course. Like, I have nannies and cooks and chefs and all this, and the help is great. But at the end of the day, your kids only want you. And then she says, you know, the one thing that we all have in common is time. So I want to make sure that my kids have 90% of that, which is a comment that is steeped in privilege, girl. Like, the fact that you could spend your time working and then you could take your six-year-old or however Psalm is and his four friends on a two-stop European vacation and be able to dedicate all this time and have fucking Neymar FaceTime him and they're getting the VIP treatment and all that, like... That doesn't happen to most people. Like, most people are working... Uh, long hours, possibly multiple jobs, are barely able to keep their eyes open to, like, help their kid with their homework. So, yeah, I mean, there's a fair point in the fact that, like, at the end of the day, with all the help in the world, your kids only want to be with you. But, baby, you're taking your kids on Kim Air, and most moms are just trying to have quality time with their children while they're at the grocery store, you know? But anyway, then Kim goes to see Choupette, and who is right, guys? Me. Hi. I'm the right one. It's me. And exactly what happened, Choupette was <laughs> and swatting 
And and even Chupet's agent, Chupet had an agent that that came, and they're like, "Oh, don't worry about it. Uh, she won't hurt you." But <laughs> and just like they're like, we, "She won't bite you. Maybe you could do a pickup later and pick up." It was bad. It was bad, y'all. And so Kim is finally like, "I think maybe this is probably a bad idea because like even if we get along and she's not scared of me, what about all the people and the lights and the sound? Like it's probably not fair to the cat to do that." Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thank you, Kimberly. Kendall thinks we care about the fact that she's still on the fence about whether or not she's going to get into house flipping. And we don't care. Okay. Even having Scott in a scene showing her his property, still don't care. I'm I'm sorry that she has anxiety and I'm sorry that she feels like she can't talk about her anxiety because she's a world famous supermodel and wealthy and people are like, girl, shut up. Every time she says that, like she should be free to have her anxiety and, and, and we should be able to let her cook with that. But Chloe decided to have True's fifth birthday at the same time as Tristan's mom's birthday. So she can make it a a nice day for him instead of a sad memory, which is very nice. So I'm not going to go too much in on Tristan and these blue shade sunglasses. Like, it's just that he's dressed like a pastor on Easter who eventually, like, ends up having to apologize to the congregation for cheating on his wife, like, a lot, a lot. But that's probably because Tristan cheats a lot. Okay, I'm moving on. And then we also have to pretend like uh, Courtney is not pregnant, which is very odd because they even like from an editorial standpoint, they're like doing these super tight shots of her face so that we don't see her body. Like at this point, she probably did that Travis some pregnant thing on the blink tour like a couple weeks later. So and we, we saw how big she was. And I, I understand that like a body can pop overnight, but like she wasn't fooling anybody. Kylie literally is like, are you pregnant? And Courtney's like, no. What she does want to talk about is um, how her diet or or the lack thereof. Is it a diet if you can't eat anything? No sugar, no alcohol, no coffee, no soy, no gluten. And these, I know that these are are things that she's just like choosing to do. They're not like actual dietary restrictions of hers. But when she's telling Chris about this, Chris just goes, wow. Exactly. Elsewhere in the party, a producer tells Chloe that Chris and Corey have been very hopeful for a future between she and Tristan. And Chloe says, yeah, it's, I mean, it's probably confusing because Tristan and I get along really well. And I think people want more, but I'm comfortable with our modern family. And she goes, it's weird, though. Like, it's really fucking weird. And then we see Corey. Corey, you betrayed me, sir. Having a little side conversation with Tristan. Tristan's like holding uh, Tatum, their son. And like, you know, he's doing like, you know, the cutesy man with a little baby. I mean, that kid is really fucking cute. Really? Those cheeks? I could die. So Corey starts off by saying the biggest lie I've ever heard in my life. Father of the year. Dad of the year. Tristan? Huh? Huh? Tell that to Jordan Craig's sister. See how she feels, right? And he tells him, oh, Tristan, the energy that you bring to the house, it's positive. It's like so whole and complete with you there. But like, you know, now your house is done and Chloe's going to be crying with you leaving. And Tristan's like, oh, well, you know what? I'm only two steps away. I can always come back. I always come back. Ooh, chills up my spine. 
But then Corey goes on to tell him, you being there is, like, good for everybody. And Tristan looks at Tatum. He's like, yeah, when Papa's in the house, it's whole, right? Ugh. Well, you know what, Tristan? Papa was a rolling stone. And wherever he laid his hat was his home. So don't don't rest on that one, okay? Chloe says that her biggest fear about Tristan moving out is actually with True. It has nothing to do with her. It's that True, much like all of Tristan's kids, doesn't really know what it's like for him to be in the house. But now she does. And she doesn't know how or if uh, uh, True is going to be able to adjust with him being gone. Then we have to watch Courtney make a video for her Lemmy supplement making a smoothie in a corset and a leather trench coat and if you're interested in Courtney's very specific smoothie method of blending you want to write this down I'll give you a couple seconds now okay okay um, you're gonna start it up slow and then you're gonna go high and then you're gonna go really high and you're gonna go back down slow again and that's how you make a Courtney smoothie then they do an interview portion where I think it's supposed to be funny of like, oh, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, like, oh, we're going to read mean tweets, right? The only funny thing that we saw was Courtney, before they even start recording, she goes, what is this, girl by? And the reason why that was funny is because I don't think that Courtney's ever heard the term girl by before. It was genuinely confused. <laughs> After that, Chris takes Scott to get an epidural to look at his back and the surgery. Oh, I forgot to tell you guys, Scott... um, in addition to flipping over several times in a car, also re-hurt his back in a different location because his dumbass decided to try to teach Mason how to pop a wheelie on a dirt bike when he was already fucked up and then fell right on his back again. So, <laughs> so Chris takes him bright and early, five o'clock in the morning, and she's telling the cameras, oh, I love him. Scott's like a son to me. I would be everywhere would do anything for him this is a 15 minute procedure for the epidural she's already gone by the time he's out so he's like coming out of anesthesia like where'd you go where'd you go and she's just laughing like a cackling hag and then later he and kendall talk shit about how chris tries to do this all the time and pretend like she's supportive and then not because Kendall's like Scott don't even feel bad she would do that to me too which I wholeheartedly believe and how she'll try to get out of talking to people by being like I can't I'm, I'm filming right now but Scott's like this is a reality show you can pick up the phone girl <sighs> and then we have to end with one of the ATL twins Malika going to dinner with Chloe and Chloe says in the confessional that she loves Malika because Malika gives it to her straight. But I remember a few seasons ago, like right after he, Tristan cheated on you while you were like crowning, giving birth to True, um, that you, he, Malika was helping Tristan sneak uh, diamond necklaces into your luggage on a trip to Vegas in order to woo you back and that you facilitated that. So I don't know if this is like the tough love. And also the very first thing that Malika says to Chloe is, um, are you like this every day? Oh dear. Do you not have any joy? <laughs> if this is her like being nice, how do people speak to you directly, Chloe? Like that, that's pretty terrifying. That's, I'd hate to know the worst case scenario if this is the best in your relationships. So Chloe's like, in order to answer your question, I have joy. I have joy when I'm with my kids. We found out that Tristan moved out, but y'all, he lives a block away. Remember when Chloe found out on camera that he was he bought the house a block away and that Kim knew? Kim had to tell her? She's like, well, excuse me? <laughs> so that house, he lives there. Um, so basically, like, he just walks over and he does this performative daddy thing. And, you know, it's not like they were sharing a bed anyway. So, um, you know, what's the difference? Malika does say one thing that I relate to. And in order to... Uh, cheer Chloe up. She goes, I think we should do something fun for us. I think we should go to Home Goods. I think we should go to Target. I think we should go to the Four Seasons and have lunch and get a massage. And, and then I think we should go out. You need to do more for you. <laughs> I agree. That sounds like the perfect day. I haven't been to Home Goods in forever. I just want to like go to the suburbs and just, I want to be in a Home Goods for like 45 minutes. I think that would be really healing for me. You can kind of get that feeling at the Home Goods in Chelsea, but it's just not the same. And not Home Goods, the Bed Bath and Beyond. And now that's closed, you know. So it's like, 
Yeah, I gotta get to the suburbs, not Jersey, sorry. But Malika tells her, you need to start working on practicing joy, you know, and not spending your time with, you know, all Tristan is tragedy and the kids. That's all you do. You leave the house, girl. Chloe basically is just like, I will. I will do that. I want a date. It's not like an issue. I just want a break right now. And then Chloe tells Malika, you know, I know that my mom will try to broach the subject and be like, hey, Chloe, can I like talk to you about something and don't get mad? And she knows that like when Chris is being soft about something, it's usually about her being a recluse or about getting back with Tristan. And she's like, you know, I really admire my mom because she's really great at forgiveness. But if somebody did to true what happened to me, I would castrate them and I would probably smile while doing it. Then Chloe tells Malika that she's been cheated on by many people and she gets over it like that's fine. But this situation was wild. Like not only finding out that Tristan had somebody else pregnant, but she also had her secret surrogacy pregnant. Never in a million years did she think that would happen. And then she says she didn't speak to Tristan for six months, not even about the kids, like nothing. But now they're friends and it's like, oh, she's looking at this now as like, well, who knows what the future holds? So Malika straight up asks her, is Tristan totally off the table? Because Chloe says she's not attracted to him anymore. And Malika's like, what? No. That's a big say, Chloe. You're attracted to him. And Chloe's like, yeah, no, I am. Like, I'm not blind. He's handsome. But I just like, it's not in my wheelhouse. I don't feel like I want to kiss him or do anything like that. So again, Malika asks her, is it off the table forever with Tristan? And Chloe's like, I I don't know. But like, definitely not now. And we'll see. I mean, I think we've all been on the same page, us collectively, that like, it's giving, we're soft launching another apart the 15 of the story of Tristan and Chloe. So we'll see. We'll see. Cause like surely there has to be something more interesting going on in Chloe's life than Tristan. Gotta be right. Gotta be. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. We got a busy day ahead of us for Bravo fans. So strap in y'all.